All right, and good morning, Ridge Point Church. We're really glad you're here this morning. Uh, ladies, particularly if you're married, can you identify with this? Is there ever a moment where your husband's distracted? Like, does it happen all the time? Like, in particular, guys, and we can identify it, and I don't think it's necessarily our fault, but we're interested in something. Maybe we're focused on the big game, and yesterday there was a bunch of big games, and we're focused on the big game, really focused on the, on the action, what's happening, and our wife asks us to do something. And I think most of the time we genuinely mean to get around to doing that. Uh, sometimes, I was being honest, sometimes we're so focused we don't even hear what it was. And then like a day later, your wife's like, hey, why didn't you do this? And you're like, I never even heard you say that. But most of the time, it's our intent to say, okay, yeah, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to take out the trash or I'm going to go, whatever has to happen, I'm going to go do that. Let me just get through this play. And then there's a big play that happens. You're like, oh, I, I need to see the next play. And, I need, and, and eventually we just stop being aware of what happens, and, and sometimes genuinely our goal is we want to take care of those things, but, but our awareness just kind of fades. And, 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 and sometimes if, if the roles were reversed for a little bit, uh, say that instead of watching the big game, we decide, you know, we're spending a lot of time on our own doing our thing, so I'm going to score some brownie points with my wife, so I'm going to let you watch, and, and I'm going to sit down with you and watch HDTV or whatever it is that she wants to watch. And, and guys, if she's watching that, we're kind of giving her, her what she wants at that moment, and then she turns and says, you know what, this is kind of boring. Can we put the game on? I guarantee we would have heard that. Like, I guarantee at that moment, like, as guys were like, if the distraction is something that we want to hear, we're more aware of it. Well, today we're talking about this idea of, of awareness. So you're in the midst of this series. We kicked this off the series last week called Freeway. And, and Freeway is built upon the idea that most, if not everyone, wants to experience some level of freedom in their life. Like, even people who say, I don't, I don't know anything about this Jesus stuff, I'm not sure about that. Most people, if you ask them, do you want to be free, most people say, yeah, I feel all this kind of this bondage in my life, I want to be free, and, and, and so most of us want freedom, but we don't realize often there's a path to that freedom. And so this series is something we're doing here on Sunday morning, we have workbooks that we have to go along with it, and there's groups meeting we'll talk about later on this morning. We have all these different ways to kind of build up on this idea of we want to be free, there's, there's a path to follow to that freedom, and it begins this morning with the first step along this journey. Now, we've encouraged you to be here the next six weeks. It kind of builds upon this topic. Step one is awareness. And from here on out, it's going to build on the topic of awareness. We're going to see different steps, ultimately getting to the, step, to the sixth step, which is the step of, of freedom. We want to have that freedom. So today we begin that journey talking about the topic of awareness. Now, I'm convinced for most of us, if I ask you, do you think you're pretty aware of things in your life? Most of us are like, yeah, I have a good head on my shoulders. I kind of figure things out. And so I consider myself to be pretty aware. So in order to prove that this morning, we have three tests we're going to do. And we're gonna, I need some audience participation this morning. So three tests we're going to do. The first test is going to, don't, don't do it yet, but up on the screen, there's going to be something that pops up. And I'm going to give you 30 seconds to come up with an answer. And then I want everyone together to yell out the answer. So the first test is this. Look at this box. In that box, if a square is equal on all sides, how many squares can you count? 30 seconds, go. Ten seconds. Three, two. Okay, say it together. Ready? One, two, three, go. All over the place. All different numbers. Here it is. Here's the answer, okay? There's nine squares that we see right away jumping out. Then in the top left, if you take the four in the top left, that's number 10. The four together in the top right is number 11. 
bottom left, number 12, the, the bottom right, number 13, and then the big box together is 14. And so the correct answer is there's 14 boxes. How many right away you saw nine and your answer was nine? How many would admit that? How many said 10? I heard a lot 10 in the first service. How many got 14? I heard at least one person made up a box that said 15. Who got 15? <laughs> so, so sometimes we think we're aware and we're not aware altogether. This next one is going to come a little bit quicker. So I'm going to ask you this question. Look at this picture real quick. Looking at both sides, which of those sides is darker, top or bottom? The top is darker, right? Can we all agree upon that? No, why not? Do this for me real quick. Close one eye and hold your finger out so you block out the middle section. What do you see? They're the same color. The shading on the top gives the illusion of, and by the way, everyone's sitting here doing this right here. I was going to take a picture of that and post it. And everybody's like, dude, I knew that church was a cult. What are they all doing like that? <laughs> but they're the same exact color, but because of the shading, our mind plays tricks on us, and we see something that isn't there. The two are the very same color. So sometimes we think we're aware, and we're not aware at all. And today I want to ask the question, if we're not aware, why are we not aware? And the seat back's in front of you, there should be one of these cards. Go ahead and pick that up. There's an exercise from the book again. And ask the question, I want you to answer this right now. It asks the question, how fast is your life right now? And it gives six options. Is it resting? Is it limping? Is it walking? Is it running? Is it racing or is it supersonic? And how long has it been that way? And so right now, right where you're at, just go ahead and check the box that applies to your situation right now. How do you feel your life is? And then how long do you think it's been that way? Hopefully you don't have to think about this too long. If so, your life is way too fast. <laughs> so check that box that applies. How many would say right now you feel like your life is resting? You just kind of have a lot of free time. There's often not a lot of people that fall in that category. How many feel like it's, it's limping along? It's kind of slowly moving. How many feel like you're walking? You got some pace to it. All right, good. How many running? How many feel like it's racing? Like it's really fast. Yeah, hands start to go up there. And how many feel like, like me, it's supersonic at times? Man, life at times feels supersonic. How long has it been there that's free to answer on your own? I'm not, I'm not as, as focused on that. But sometimes life seems that way. It seems like we're jumping from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. So much so that we miss out on some very basic details. Did anyone catch a basic detail we missed out on already? During the service, we already missed out on a detail. I said there were going to be three test questions. We only did two the most basic one, there wasn't even a third question, but we got so busy going to the next thing. And I did that to you. I had you pull out cards and kind of, we get so busy that sometimes we miss out on basic details of what we're supposed to be going through, what we're supposed to be aware of. And so today we're talking through this idea of, of what it means to, to be aware. What does it mean? If we're trying to go on this path of, of freedom, what does it mean to be aware? And we're going to talk about these different topics it's being aware of what God is doing in my life. It's becoming aware of my most basic spiritual needs. And it's becoming aware of the people that God calls me to minister and to serve. And so the question I have is, is why do we not 
Why are we not more aware? And ultimately, there could be a lot of reasons for that. There could be all this other stuff that's happening. But for me, dealing with our culture, where we're at right now, the single most important reason why we are unaware in our lives is because we are way too busy. We've elevated busyness, or more correctly, we've uh, elevated being, uh, being hurried in our life to being a spiritual gift. And the thing is, as, as hurry increases, our awareness decreases. And the more hurried we are, the, 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 more aware, the less aware we become. And we're all busy. We can't change the busyness. Life is busy. If we answered running, if we answered racing, if we answered supersonic, it means our life right now is probably pretty busy. There are things that we have to do, and when we do those things, we can't just say, let's do away with those things altogether, and we don't need to do those things because we have responsibility. And I want to show you a chart right now, and this chart was original with me. I saw this. I tweaked it a little bit for what we're talking about this morning, but I want to talk real quick about the difference between, bi- between being busy and being rushed. So uh, there's five different things we're going to look at. The difference between being busy and being rushed. Listen, we all have life happening all around us. Particularly if, if you have jobs, if you have family, there's different responsibilities that are just there, and we have to take care of those things. That means that this morning, if, if you had kids, it meant you were getting your kids up, making sure they're dressed. Maybe last night before they're, or maybe tonight before they get ready for bed, you have to make sure they take showers so they don't stink at school tomorrow, and they got to make sure they get to school, and they got to make sure they get picked up from school, and there's someone at home for them, and they got food for them because the government likes the fact that we have food for them, and all those things. Like, we got to make sure we take care of their needs. And so we want, have all these responsibilities, and those are just family responsibilities. And there's work, and there's uh, other, maybe sports we're pursuing, and, and, and there's life that's happening, there's ministry needs, and we get so busy. But just because life is happening fast doesn't mean that I can't learn to slow my pace down. Life's pace can be really fast, and that's not going to change. We're going to give this talk, and you're going to go home tonight, and you can't say, man, JJ talked about slowing my pace down. Let's not even worry about giving the kids baths tonight. Let's kind of go. Like, we still have to do those things. Life's pace is fast. That doesn't mean that our pace can't slow down. And so real quick, five things. The difference between being busy and being rushed. A busy person has a full schedule. A rushed person is preoccupied. Listen, we have a full slate of things. We have family responsibilities. We have job responsibilities. We have all those things we have to take care of. And a message doesn't change any of those things. We're going to be busy. Life tends to be busy. But when we elevate being rushed to the level of a spiritual gift, thinking, man, my life is so fast, I'm all over the place, not only do I have a full schedule, but I find myself being preoccupied. Like I should be able to focus on a task at work. But life is so busy that I find myself, when I should be focusing on what I'm doing at work, I find myself thinking, about, oh, I got this problem at home. And then when I should be focusing on my problems at home, I think, man, I got this big burden at work. I got to take care of this. I have this deadline I'm hitting. And we find ourselves preoccupied and not able to focus on the tasks that are there for us. A busy person has many activities. A rushed person finds themselves unable to be fully present. Very similar. A, a busy person says, man, I have all these things that are going on, and so I have to take care of all those things. And so then when I find myself having to engage in relationships, not necessarily on the task, but on the relationship side of things, I find myself unable to be fully present because I have all these other activities going on in my mind. And so this stops us from having meaningful conversations. We sit down, our kids come home from school, and we sit down for five minutes and say, how was your day? And they say, it was great. What was great about it? I don't know. 
Like, y'all know that that's what happens, like, on a routine basis. And like, okay, good, everything's good, then we move on. And that's how we deal with a lot of our relationships. We find ourselves having many activities, but being unable to be fully present. And in those moments, see, we have to have some intentional downtime. But the problem is, the reason why most of us have a hard time being fully present is because if we have a moment of downtime, if you find a moment of downtime, you find yourself having to fill that. Because life has become so busy, we feel like we have to fill it. And so we start to fill it with things like maybe technology. We have a phone, and if I have a free moment, my downtime is I'm going to pull out my phone, I'm going to check the, the sports score, I'm going I'm, I'm to check Facebook, or I'm, I'm, I'm going to check the, the news, I'm going to check all these things because I'm an information junkie. I need to make sure I have all of this. And what that causes us, it causes us to stop being fully present in people's lives. It interferes with our relationship with God. It interferes with our ability to realize our own personal needs. And it interferes with our ability to relate to people around us because we're so busy being preoccupied with stuff that really isn't essential. The third thing is this. The person who is busy, has that's an outward condition. I can't change the outward condition. Life is going to be busy. We can't slow that pace of life down. All those things are still going to happen. We still have responsibility. We're still going to take care of those things. The difference is being busy is an outward condition. Being rushed is an inward condition. Listen, I know people that have really successful lives and are really important people, and they are really, really busy. They're like CEOs of companies, and they're really important, and they're traveling all over the country doing different things. And yet when I sit down and talk to them, they are fully engaged in in, in the conversation. They're not preoccupied with something else going on. They're fully engaged. Why? Because they've learned being busy is an outward condition that I can't change, but being rushed is an inward condition. It's a condition of my mind being focused on the task. It's a condition of my heart being able to be engaged in this conversation, being able to be engaged in a relationship with God, in in fixing my own spiritual needs, or being able to focus on the needs of others. Being busy is an outward condition. Being rushed is an inward condition. Fourth one is this. Being busy is physically demanding. There's stuff that we have to do. And if I start to make a list, if, if, if we could do this, if we could take 24 hours of our life and write down everything that we did, like from the very beginning, from us taking showers and getting dressed and doing all the stuff that we do to get ready physically or spiritually, whatever the day looks like, if I wrote down all those things and took down my family responsibilities, my work responsibilities, if I made a list of everything we did every day and presented that to you, you say, dude, I'm exhausted even looking at that list. Being busy is physically demanding. There's a demand that's there, and it takes its toll on us from time to time. But being rushed is even more powerful because being rushed is spiritually draining. I can tell in my life, often it doesn't happen with one or two days. But if I go through a series of days where I've been busy, but I've jumped from the category of being busy to being rushed, like I can just start to feel my body start to become more and more tired because I've stopped being engaged, I've stopped focusing on relationships, and those are things that give me energy. And so if I get rushed, I'm jumping from one thing to the next, and I'm never fully engaged, I can start to feel it because not only are those things physically demanding, but spiritually, I've been drained. And I sit there at the end of those days, and I'm like, dude, I am more exhausted today than I've ever been. Why? I've not been more busy. I've been more rushed. 
And being rushed is spiritually draining because, and this last one is so key, when I'm busy, it teaches me and reminds me that I need God. But when I'm rushed, it leaves me unavailable for God. Bill Hybels, a pastor in Chicago, wrote this years ago. He wrote a book called Too Busy Not to Pray. I talk to a lot of people, and they talk, you know, how's your prayer life? Oh, man, I mean to pray more, but life is really busy right now, and I became disengaged a little bit. He says, listen, we can be busy. And when I'm busy and I see all the responsibility that I have, it reminds me how much I need God to work in my life. But when I jump from being busy to being rushed, it leaves me unavailable for God. See, there's nothing wrong with being busy. We're all going to be busy. But when we're rushed, it leaves me spiritually drained. It leaves me unavailable for God working in my life. And I said, wait a minute. The reason I'm spiritually drained is because I've not been connected with God. I've not met my, my own spiritual need. And, and along with that, I'm definitely not aware of the needs of others around me. So then the question becomes, okay, if, if this is it, if I don't want to be rushed, I can be busy, life's busy. But if I don't want to be rushed, how do I do that? How do I become aware of those things? Part of it is intentionally slowing down. Intentionally having that time, saying, God, I need to focus. I need to focus my day. I need to focus my week. I need to be focused on what you're doing. So three things real quick. Because I want to be able to do this. I want to be able to increase awareness in my life. In order to increase awareness in my life, I have to decrease my hurry. If hurry decreases, awareness if hurry increases, awareness decreases. So vice versa. If hurry decreases, then it makes it possible for awareness to start to increase. Three things I'm longing for. When hurry, incre- when hurry decreases, it allows me to be aware of the presence of God in my life. When hurry decreases, it doesn't mean right away. There are people who just, they slow down the hurry and they don't become aware of anything else. So it doesn't say this of necessity has to happen. But when hurry decreases, it starts to allow me to become aware of the presence of God in my life. If I'm so busy, I'm not aware, it makes it impossible for me to be aware of him. But if hurry decreases, it starts to allow me to be aware of, of, of God's working. See, in Psalm 46.10, it says this, Be still and know that I am God. How many of you right now would say that your day, you wake up almost every morning before 5 a.m.? How many of you that are up before 5 a.m., you're up after 10 p.m.? There's, there's a lot of people. First service, it was like that as well. There are a lot of people that say, man, my day begins before 5 a.m. Some of you are like 5 a.m. People are awake that time. I promise it happens. Uh, but, but, but for some people, like, the day starts very, very early and ends very, very late, and the day is packed with stuff. And if we haven't taken the time in our life to be still and know that I am God, my personal experience is this. If I can find the time, if I carve out that time, because it has to be intentionally looking for that time to say, God, I need to spend some time with you. For me personally, that happens best early in the morning. Because the very short time after that, the kids are going to be awake and crazy. This is going to happen and it's school and it's responsibility and it's work and all this stuff is going to happen. And so if I can carve out that time intentionally and say, God, I need to have some quiet time in my life. I need to be able to block out all the other stuff because life is going to yell at me really quickly. And if the volume of my life is so loud that I can't hear God's voice, then I'm going to be lacking. So he says, be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth, but be still and know that I am God. The more I become in my life, the more I become aware of God early in the morning, the more I can set the pace and say, right now I'm focused on God. I have that still quiet time before the craziness happens. The more it reminds me throughout the day 
I need that, I need that quiet time. I need that intentional quiet time. And it might be as simple as driving in the car. And while I'm driving in the car, let me turn off the radio for a little bit. I don't need all this information constantly being thrown at me. But let me be still for a moment. Let me spend time with God. Let me spend time organizing my thoughts in my head, figure out what I'm supposed to be doing. I need that intentional quiet time to focus on what he's doing so I can hear his voice. Be still and know that I'm God because I want to bring the volume of, of life down so I can hear God's voice, and that's so essential. If you have your Bibles, open up the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 19. I, I love this story. It's the story of the prophet Elijah. And he's actually about to do some really, really big tasks. Like God has some, some big work in store for him. And before he does, God says, here's my plan for you. I'm going to get you some rest. I'm going to nourish you. I'm going to take care of those things. Because Elijah is hungry for the presence of God in his life. He wants to see this happen, not just for him, but he wants to see it for his, for his people. And so 1 Kings 19, starting off in verse 9, it says this. There he came to a cave, that's Elijah. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, throw down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek to take my life, to take it away. So God comes to Elijah and says, Elijah, what is you looking for? He says, God, I'm jealous for you. God, I want to hear your voice. I want to see you move. God, I'm looking for something powerful. And, and for a lot of us, that's our prayer. God, I, I want to be aware of you, but, but, but God, life is so loud. Life is yelling at me, and there's responsibility. And so because life is so loud, God, I need you to do something really, really big to get my attention. God, I need you to do something so big that I know it comes from you, and that's what we're longing for. We're longing for that big supernatural, that big moment where I know that's from God. And that's what Elijah's looking for. And God says this, verse 11. He said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by in a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. So the first thing he sees, he sees this wind and it breaks the mountain apart and, and, and pieces of rocks are falling down. And he thinks, well, maybe God was in that. But it says the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there's an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And so Elijah's saying, God, I'm jealous for you. I want to see you do something powerful. And so God starts to, there starts to be these, these things that are happening. And, and for most of us, we've been saying, okay, that must be from God. Look at that wind. That wind's powerful. That's got to be God. Or look at that earthquake. Or up to this point in Scripture, a lot of times God appeared and God used fire as a symbol of his presence. And so Elijah could have looked at any of those things and said, okay, that was God. That wind was God, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. And the earthquake, that had to have been God, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And finally what had become a symbol of God was his fire. But even in this case, the Lord wasn't in the fire. And then it says, after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 14, again, he says, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, throw down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. See, Elijah was aware that God wasn't in those other things. He wasn't in the wind, he wasn't in the earthquake, he wasn't in the fire. When he hears that, that small voice, when he hears that whisper, he says, God, 
I know that was you. It says he wrapped his face in his cloak, being aware of the presence of God. For a lot of us, we're looking for God in the big things. God, I I need you to get through because I need to be aware of you. And life is so loud. It's yelling at me so loud that if you speak to me in a whisper, I'm afraid I'm not going to hear you whisper. And that's what God does. God whispers to us at times. And he whispers, and life is so loud. The volume of life is so loud that we don't hear him. God says, I'm trying to communicate with you. But in order for me to communicate with you, I need you to be aware. And sometimes, literally the the wording there, the, the word low whisper, is literally a sound or a thin silence. Sometimes God speaks to us in that thin silence. And we're unaware that he's trying to communicate with us because life is so loud. And it's so easy for me to focus on all of these things that when someone asks, hey, what is God doing in your life? I can yell out, well, I see that those two colors look the same and they look different, so that one must be the darker color. But God says, wait a minute, you're missing. You're not aware of what's actually happening. So I'm trying to whisper into your life right now. I'm trying to speak to you, and I'm convinced right now that God is trying to speak to every one of us. God's trying to communicate something to us. And it begins with us saying we need to be aware of the presence of God in our life. If I do that, if I start off with this as my first step of awareness, God, I need to be aware of your presence. It enables me right now to become more aware of spiritual need that's in my own life. God, you're speaking to me. You're starting to speak truth in my life, and I'm starting to become aware of what, what I need in my life right now. See, if we're listening, if we're finally tuned to God's voice and we hear it amidst all the noise of life, if I can hear amidst all that craziness, I can hear God's voice say, God, I know that's from you. It wasn't the earthquake, it wasn't the fire, it wasn't wind, but God, I heard that silent whisper. And as I heard that whisper, I now hear where you're speaking in my life and you're starting to speak truth into a deep spot of spiritual need. See, most of us, the reason why we're not aware of our, and we're not attuned with what our spiritual need is, it's because not only is life busy, but we're making life busy ourselves to mask some deep hurt that's been in the past. And what happens is we have these hurts, and we don't want to process these hurts. We don't realize that those past hurts are affecting our present relationships, but we want to mask those hurts, pretend they didn't happen, and somehow those past hurts are preventing us from being fully engaged in our relationships today. So I shared a while ago a story in here about a, a young kid that I met that at 12 years old came up to me and he shook my hand. And he said, first time I met him, he said, my name's Jonathan. I want to be a theologian when I grow up. My like, dude, what are you talking about? You're 12 years old. Like, what do you know about being a theologian? And man, for seven years, I saw this kid chase after Christ unlike anything else I'd ever seen. And when he's 19 years old, out of the blue, he's diagnosed, he has, he has a brain tumor. Within just four or five months, He's gone. And I remember as we went through that with a family, and, and I was really close with their family, and I saw the pain that they were going through. And the final night, we got the phone call that things were really, really bleak. We got to the hospital, and, and Jonathan was gone. Things got really busy. I started saying, as, as, as a youth pastor at the time, man, I got I to minister to this family. I love this family. They're going through this spot of deep spiritual hurt. Let me be there for the family. And then it started becoming plans for this. They're doing this big funeral, and we had to make sure we had room for everybody and all the stuff that was going along with that. And, and they asked me to speak at the funeral, and I said, okay, i got to plan all of that out. And then the final couple of days before the funeral, I said, J.J., we want to put together a video. Would you be able to help us out putting together a video? And so I found myself intentionally doing all of these tasks to keep myself busy because I didn't want to process what I was going through because I didn't fully understand it. 
I couldn't understand, God, here's a young man that's chasing after Jesus, unlike anybody I've ever met. How is he gone? I don't, I don't understand that. But I didn't want to deal with those things. So I hid them. And I got busy doing other things so that I wouldn't become aware of this, this need that was in my life. Sometimes we do that. I mean, we don't want to process the past. We don't want to deal with the past because I know it hurts. So it's easier to get busy and just pretend it doesn't happen than actually realize it happened, ask those questions of God, and go through the process of healing. If we don't do that, our past hurts affect our present relationships. Also, when God tries to speak to us, not only do our past hurts affect our present relationships, but also God starts to speak to us about disobedience in our life. God, what do you mean? I'm a good person. I'm doing the right thing. And, and God says, no, I spoke to you very clearly. It might have been a quiet voice, but I spoke to you clearly that you're supposed to be doing this, and you're not doing it. It might seem foreign. It might seem out there. God, at some point in the future, I'm going to take care of that. But right now, life is busy. And I have family. I can't do that right now. And God says, no, I spoke to you. And if you're disobedient, as much as you're a good person trying to take care of all those things, I spoke to you, and disobedience is sin. So I'm not going to process that. I'm going to keep doing my thing. I'm going to keep kind of chasing after. i got all this responsibility. And I become so busy that I don't even process the own sins in my life. I don't process my own disobedience. God says, listen, I'm not doing this to tear you down. I'm doing this to lift you up because I know what's best for you. I want you to have freedom, but in order to have freedom, there has to be an awareness in your life. There has to be an awareness of what God is doing. He's the one that's going to bring us freedom. He's the one that's going to bring us joy. There has to be aware of me processing things right now with where I'm at. And the last part of this equation is once I go through that process, hearing God's voice, dealing with where I'm at right now, it starts to free me up to love and to serve the people around me. See, the people that I meet that are really important and they have all this, the high places, stuff going on, Man, they're busy. Life is happening. And yet they've learned the ability to be fully engaged and to care about you as a person. And man, when you sit down, even though I'm sure their phone is blowing up, when you sit down with them, they look you eye to eye and they ask you questions. And they care about where you're at. The thing is that you come back to them a week later, a month later, and they've heard a whole bunch more stories in between then and now. But they still know your story. They still care about you. See, people that are fully engaged, people that are aware, it's not that they're not busy. They're busy. But they've chosen not to be rushed. If you're choosing not to be rushed, if you're lowering your rush, you have a chance to increase your awareness. From time to time, we have a chance to have mission teams come up here and share their stories. And whether it's lately the string of international mission trips we've taken to Dominican Republic or to to Honduras, or whether it's before that, taking youth group to trips like Philadelphia, stuff that we've done. Almost every time we go, I'd say every time we go, I get a chance to either go on those trips or be able to share, hear from people from those trips, share their stories. Every time they share, they say there was something special about that area. Like for us, that was a, that was a great area, and I go back, and I, I love that area because of what happened there and because of all this stuff, and I want to go back to that area. And I understand what they're trying to communicate. But when I've heard it over and over, I say it must not be the area but there must be something else that's going on. It can't just be those individual cities, those individual countries, because I hear it over and over about different cities and different countries. And here's what I realized. is when we go on those trips, all of the clutter of life is of necessity. It's minimized. You see, when you go on a trip to the Dominican Republic, you can take your phone with you. 
But if you try to use it, it's going to cost you like $10,000 to be able to text and talk to people. Like unless you have a specific plan that allows international travel, it's going to cost you a lot of money. So most people, if they take their phone at all, they're leaving it in their, in their room. And so there isn't this constant distraction in their life. I could turn on the TV, but I can't understand what they're saying anyway. They're speaking in Spanish. Like I start to remove those distractions from my life. And it's not that if you go on the trip that you're not busy. Listen, go on a trip for a second. You're busy all day long. Like it's not like you're there twiddling your thumbs saying, what are we going to do? There's stuff that's happening throughout the day. You're just as busy. But the volume of life has been turned down so you're not as rushed. And when that happens, it allows us a week long to be fully focused on, God, what is it you're trying to do? God, what is it? I want to hear your silent voice right now. It allows for a week of reflection and introspection. It allows us to write in a journal and, and to think through things we hadn't thought through in a long time. And the purpose of the trip is to be there to serve others. So when I go on a trip like that, I block out this week of my time. And the volume of life is turned down. And I'm aware of God, I'm aware of my needs, I'm aware of others. So people are turning and say, man, I, I love that area. And I agree, those are some phenomenal areas. But I think really what we're longing for is to have that experience saying, God, I believe that you're moving. I just have to become more aware of it. We all long for freedom. We want to have that freedom. The first step of that freedom is awareness. Let's pray.